Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. Well, I want to talk about prayer today because sometimes, you know, you get a hold of this. And I've heard this a lot, people that, people that begin to discover that your salvation is by grace alone. You didn't, you didn't perform your way into it. You're most likely not going to perform your way out of it. And then you hear things like God's already given you all things that pertain unto life and godliness, that your salvation, your righteousness, your sanctification, your holiness Everything that the progressives say that you have to progress through in your experience as a Christianity, that all gets given to you when you receive Christ. Boom, here is everything. It's almost like God, you know those you ever little kids, they come up to you, they jump up in your lap. They only do that when they want something, you know, and they're like sucking up to you. I think God wanted to avoid all that and say, look, I'm just going to give you everything. I mean, who do you think the father was in the parable of the prodigal son. Think about it. Jesus is the exact representation of the invisible God, and when he told stories, it was to reveal the heart of God. The father, in the story of the prodigal son, the prodigal son gets all selfish and wants all his stuff now. He's like, look, I know you got some good stuff for me. I want it now, all of it. He's like, all right, here you go, boom. Now, you want to have a relationship or what? Nope, I think I'd rather run out here and go crazy and eat some pig food. Knock yourself out. Uh, That wasn't a good idea. I think I'd rather go home. Come on home. I've already given you everything. But you know what? The stuff that God gives us, you can't squander. It doesn't disappear. And I I would imagine that if he continued that story, he had more to give him. The father had plenty. Father wasn't lacking because of what the son did. That's God. Here, everything you will ever need or everything I can ever have for you here in Jesus. Jesus is the eternal seed of life. Jesus is God. Jesus is the fullness of the kingdom in and of himself in the relationship within the Trinity and that seed, you have to imagine this seed, you know? I mean, it's, it's nothing short of magic in a sense, in the sense of what we think about. It, this seed is so full and powerful, and it, it is every, everything comes from that. And God takes that seed, Christ, and places him within you. Everything that God has is in Christ, and he's in you, in seed form. And it's just you believe and you receive. Jesus said it over and over and over and over and over and over. Now, can that be perverted into a carnal expression? Of course it can. Don't do that. You don't have to make a whole website about the preachers that do do it and you bash them. Let them do their thing. You do your thing. Jesus. Jesus is our thing. Amen? But it's this mindset of understanding, no, we are in perfect union with the Father, lacking nothing. I mean, what, what is it that you think that God hasn't given you already? That just opened up a whole can of worms there, I know. Didn't it? Did you feel that? All right, I'm just going to stick with this here. <clears throat> that, that's a lot of big questions in that, right? But think about that. What is it? You guys are believing for some things. I know. In context with what is legal to believe for that has not yet manifested in your life. We're not talking about the why today. I just want you to shift your thinking and realize, you know, how, how is Jesus that for me? He may be the wisdom that leads you to the physical manifestation of it. You know what I mean? So how does prayer fit into all this? Because a lot of times you start to understand these concepts and you start to get this stuff and you, your prayer life goes out the window. Has that ever happened to you? Nobody raise their hand. Like, should I admit that I don't pray? 
Have you ever questioned how to pray or why you should pray? Especially once you start to discover this, well, if everything's already done, okay, well, that's like asking a farmer to do nothing while the seed is growing in the ground. Does the farmer make the corn? No. What does he do? He plants it, he tends the soil, and then the seed produces on its own. That's what we're to do. The kingdom is in there. The word of God is in there, not just the Bible. And it's not just scriptures that you plug in. It's the living elements of the wisdom of the living God and how this universe works that you cultivate within you. That's what you meditate on. You meditate on the principles and the wisdom of God, not a scripture that doesn't make sense to you, but conceptually, this is alive, you know? This, this concept from God will produce something within my life that will glorify God just like I plant an apple seed and it makes an apple tree. What is it? You know, I, I guess I'm just going to kind of speak from the heart for just a few moments, then we'll talk about the prayer thing. But you hear, you talk to people. You know, I talk to a lot of people. I get a lot of messages. I get more messages from non-locals than, than locals. You guys are really very, and I'm not trying to avoid people, you, but you guys are really good about communicating with one another and, and having conversations and working things that these life groups are amazing. You know, we have, I think, seven life groups now, which is incredible to me. That, and, and they're solid life groups. If you're not in one, get in one. Probably the most accessible one is Donald and Cheryl's here on Wednesday, uh, every first and third Wednesday at 7 o'clock. You guys have one. There's lots of them. More coming. Um, there's just so much frustration due to lack within the Christian experience that people blame God for when really I, I wonder, I wonder how much we actually live according to the principles of God in the areas that we need to see him manifest. I wonder. I mean, the area that you're struggling, that you have lack, that you don't understand, whatever it is for you, that area, have you gone into the Word of God, found out the way God thinks about it, seen it reflected in the life of Jesus, and then made decisions to discipline your life to live that way? You ever put a grill together and you got screws left over? (laughs) That's what we do. We have stuff left over when we try to do the Christian life because we're not doing it his way. Now, this is not legalism. Legalism would say you have to do it that way to get from God. No, he's already given it to you. But if you go and you keep dumping soil on top of the same seed that's trying to break through the ground, it'll never grow. You'll kill it. You know what I'm saying? You keep dumping. And that's what Jesus said. He's like, the reason you're not experiencing kingdom fruit in your life Not just stuff, but righteousness, peace, and joy inwardly, including internal and external. The thing that hinders the kingdom fruit, the transformation, the the fruits of the Spirit from being in your life are what? The test, Mark 4. Mark Mark 4. That's the Mark 4 parable of the sower. The cares of this world. How many of you are feeling the pressure of the cares of this world? Huh? Yeah. Right. Deceitfulness of riches. Those are the things, the, 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 the cares of this world. Are you feeling the pressures of the cares of this world? Yes? What are you going to do about it? What does that mean? This is fun. <laughs> There's no right answer per se. I, I, I want you to walk out of here today and what, I'm feeling pressure from the cares of this world. What am I going to do about it? What, you know, what he says, he, he, says well, he says, all right, here's what you do. You want to know how it works? This is how it works. It's like a farmer, casts seed in the ground, goes to sleep, wakes up, doesn't know how to happen, but he knows that it's going to produce fruit. The measure you meet is the measure measured back to you. In other words, the degree of thought and awareness and trust and dependence you put in God is the degree to which you will experience his working in your life. 
Is it because you do it right and then he responds? No, it's just the way it works. It's a relationship. We have a relationship with his kingdom even. You have to function in, in, in agreement and according to the rules, per se, how it works. You don't get patience from being angry all the time. What, what is good fertilizer for patience? No, it, that can be. Where, what you, where you, he said tribulation. It can be, depending on where you go in your heart when you're in the midst of tribulation and who you think God is in the midst of tribulation. It very much can be. Trust. My fertilizer to cultivate patience is trust, okay? What does trust mean for you? What does trust look like for you? Is it, God, you said I was supposed to have some patience. I need some of that now. (laughs) You didn't give it to me, therefore you must not want me to have it so I can act like a jerk still. You know, we don't rationalize it that way, but that's what you believe in your heart sometimes. You'll hold it down in there, and it's like, uh, anyway. Yeah. Huh? I was on a good roll. Yeah, yeah. The counselor the counselor's like, keep on going. See, because here's the thing. We live from this subconscious level. We live from those deeper thoughts that we don't rationalize that we actually think that way. Most of us think that we have what God wants us to have, and we don't have what God doesn't want us to have. And if I don't have it, he's withholding it from me for some reason. I don't understand why, so now I'm going to make up a bunch of doctrine. And then we're going to start a church, and we're going to point fingers that those people might not be saved because they don't believe the way we believe. Oh, my goodness. What, where am I going? It's like this is just all coming out. I, th- I think it needs to be said. It needs to be experienced. It needs to be heard. I'm going to keep going. Can you make it fast because I'm on a roll? <laughs> we believe it's not his will. Thank you. You just heard God. So that, that gets me back on track. She said, we believe it's not his will. What do you think the will of God is? I mean, I got a real simple answer. Jesus is the will of God. Okay, well, what does that mean? Well, how well do you know Jesus? His teachings, his word, what he accomplished, who you are in him. When you read something that he was establishing the law versus setting up a new covenant, Not every teaching that Jesus said is for you today. If it was something that he fulfilled, it's not that it was wrong or it's not that you throw it away. It's like Paul said. He said, the law is coming to completion. Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish or throw it away. I came to fulfill it. So what is his will? All right, let's talk about prayer. Two scriptures before we look into that, John 15, 15. This is the mindset you should be in when you pray. All right, are you with me? Because, you know, a lot of times we get a little too free. Us grace grace people. We stop praying. We stop reading our Bible. We stop giving. We stop going to church because we realize God is not mad at us anymore if we don't do that stuff. And it reveals why you were doing it in the first place. Then you transition through that and you realize, I have a part to play. I am a ligament within this body. This body needs me. It needs my time. This body, the collective body of Christ on this planet, needs me to be a mature Christian, knowing the word of God, ready to give an answer, representing his kingdom, sowing the first fruits of my income. Thank you. I got one. Mike's birthday. Happy birthday. Show him some love. Mike and Tracy showed up at our church when we had eight people. They wanted to make sure that we weren't crazy because they were leaving their 15-year-old daughter to worship. How old were you, 16, 15? They decided they liked the message and kind of started to kind of like us and then served and plugged in and... They have uh, cleaned and worked in the kids' church and worked in sound and audio, and now you guys just join the greeter team. I mean, y'all just doing everything, you know. 
But I appreciate people that do that, but I appreciate their friendship. And anyway, I just love those guys over there. So, All right, John 15, 15. Are you with me? Mindset of prayer. Not that you don't pray, and there's not really a right way to pray, but there is a proper posture to pray when you're, pray, when you're praying with God. Prayer is really more communion on this side of the cross. Jesus frames the context of your relationship with God. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. You ever felt like that? God, what are you doing? Well, you're thinking like a servant. You're thinking like a slave. You're thinking God's your master rather than your father. God, what are you doing? I've, there are some people that I know and love, and that's how they pray. God, what are you doing? As if it's spiritual to pray. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you talking about? What am I doing? I'm, I'm Jesus. This is my will. Anyway. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. This is, this is one of those landmine passages that Jesus... You know, I want to do either a sermon series or a book or something like that and title it, Things Jesus Didn't Have to Say. He didn't have to say, he didn't have to do this. He could have just been the Lamb of God and said, the door to heaven is now open, independent from your performance. I hope you make it. <laughs> see you later when you die. Then I'll be really nice to you when you're dead. He didn't, you know, think about it. I've made you friends. All things that I heard from my father, I've made known to you. What? I mean, I've sat and meditated on this accidentally for like hours and just thinking about what? And then, you, you know, so all these, I've got the mind of Christ, you know? The spirit of the living God dwells within me. I acknowledge him and he leads me. Be still and know God. You know, there, there's so much tied to this. He's made everything known to you that his father made known to him. And it, here's the thing. It's not even about knowing stuff. It's not even about information. You know what I mean? It, he's describing a level of intimacy. A level of trust is what he's talking about. A level of shared respect. Do you see that? It's not about information or knowing secrets. It's about the kind of relationship we have with God. Incredibly powerful. 2 Corinthians 5.20. So from that, you go to this. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. That phrase, God is pleading through you that we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So like when you go stand in Walmart, do you feel God pleading through you to the people? Or do you devalue yourself that you don't have anything to say? Or you're so uh, stressed over the decisions, the repetitive decisions that you've been making over the last year that have gotten you to the depressed state that you're in in that moment. You don't even know who God is, much less pleading through you. That was kind of dark, sorry. <laughs> but I'm telling you, some people, they walk in, they go into public and are so self-centered, not because they're bad people, but because life is so heavy in that moment. Selfishness is a killer. I mean, it's one of the biggest weapons of the enemy to hinder the God pleading through you. You ever, have you ever felt that? Like you just stand somewhere and you're looking at public or you're thinking about people in general and the world and the condition and you're thinking, it's overwhelming. I mean, you know that if they would just turn their hearts toward God that their lives would change, but you're standing there and you're like, oh, what do I do? God is pleading through you. And, and, you know, who is it? What's the guy's name? His dad was a 
pastor uh, in Atlanta, um, Andy, Andy Stanley. He's got this phrase, they do a whole campaign, do for one what you wish you could do for all or something Amen. like that. Do for one. I, I don't know what I'm, we'll pick one, do for one. You know, that's where we go through this whole thing of who do you love? And do they know that you love them? That, those people that you say you have passion for. See, when we start thinking about reaching the world, we evaluate our performance because several of you started thinking about the sin that you've got to get cleaned up in your life before you try and go out there and represent God. Clean up the sin. Do that, but tell them about Jesus in the process. Do not hinder the voice of God in this planet because of your behavior. God is pleading through you. This word ambassador, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. The word ambassador means an accredited diplomat sent by our country and its officials and, and its official, sorry, let me start over. An ambassador is an accredited diplomat sent by a country and its official representative to a foreign country. As its. Sorry. One more time. An accredited diplomat sent by a country as its official representative to a foreign country. So what does a credit mean? A credit means to give authority or sanction to, to give official authorization for someone to be in a particular place or to hold a particular post. And sanction, official permission of approval for an action. You know, these diplomats, these ambassadors that we send around the country, they are protected. Well, I mean, unless they're in Benghazi, but that's, a, that's another subject. But technically, when we send them out, an ambassador operates under the laws of our country when they're in another country. Did you know that? I mean, they can't break the laws of the other country, but they're held to the laws of the, their home country. They're protected by their home country. They have the authority of their home country to go into this other country to represent their country to bring to that place the things that that country needs from its country. And for relations, right? That's us. I'm, this is the mindset of how you see yourself going into this world. Do you devalue your voice and your authority because you think God doesn't do that anymore? I don't know. I mean, there's so many things that we, we just we have, we don't understand our place in the body of Christ in this planet. Your relationship is secure. You're taken care of. God doesn't want you lacking for anything. Jesus is the will of God. Jesus, we got some taxes to pay. Go fishing. Next. I mean, really? No problem. Need met. Move on. That, that's how he prayed. De Jesus, we got some demons we can't handle. Go. He goes to them. Go. They go. Right? Dead people. Wake up. They wake up. He knew who he was. He knew who he represented. See? And you're right, it's the will thing. When you don't know God's will, you don't know how to represent him. Really, one of the biggest ways you need to represent God is in the mirror. I mean, start when you wake up, when your feet hit the ground. I like to quote the prophet Denzel Washington. I mean, he's got some wisdom, that guy. He said, put your feet, your, your slippers, I don't wear slippers, but, you know, put your slippers further under the bed so you got to get on your knees when you first wake up to get your slippers out from under the bed so you can acknowledge God. I love that. It's that mindset. When you wake up, do you bow to your king? Or do you think, where's the coffee? I got to get to work. <laughs> Flip on the news. <laughs> Where do we go? I mean, what do we think we're doing on this planet? We're a family. 
That's what God wanted. God wanted a family. We messed it up. He fixed the way to be back in that family, and that's what he wants, a family. And you get to represent your father to those who don't know that they're in the family and bring them back so they can be adopted through Christ. I mean, you guys know this stuff, but I kind of want to spark something within you to shift your mindset. God cares about you. He's reshaped the context of your relationship with him to friends and children. It's not about serving him to become worthy. He's made you worthy. Live worthy and represent him well. So Jesus prayed. This is Matthew 6. We're going to look at 9 through 13. He kind of went through this whole thing of telling them, don't pray this way, you know, with your long-winded prayers in public and all that kind of stuff. Um, and he said, pray this way. Ready? We all know this, and we can quote it, but I wonder how much we've really thought about it. Our Father. Whose Father? Whose? Think about it. Whose? Look around. We got the same daddy. Well, that's why we conflict so much. Brothers and sisters are irritating. Yeah. <laughs> our father. Our who? Our master. He is our Lord. He is our God. He is our judge. He is the omnipotent one. He is all that. But he chose to relate to you as a father. He chose that. Jesus perfectly represents him. I've heard some sermons where it's like criticizing the idea that you're God's friend, that you're buddy-buddy with God. You don't devalue his majesty you don't take him off the throne. But you also don't distance yourself because he's on a throne. Our Father, which is in heaven. So what he's doing here is what he has revealed to Paul to do in Colossians 3. And this is the sign that Travis and Blake made for us that we put up over the door out there that I want you to read when you go through that to remind yourself, all right, let me do this, and this is the passage. So Jesus, our Father, which is in heaven, he's doing this, Colossians 3.1. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Our Father, which art in heaven, I am setting my mind on things above. I am dead. I died in Christ. This thing that's bothering me, it might have bothered that dead man, and to the degree that I'm acting like that old dead man and thinking like that dead man, it'll still bother me, and I'll still give in to it. But the moment I change my mind and repent and believe who I am in my new life reality, that, the dead man is gone. The stuff that bothers him doesn't bother me. Jesus, this is what he's doing. He's teaching them, set your mind on things above. When you pray, do you think of it from heaven's perspective? Or are you in the middle of it trying to climb your way through out of it to see God? I mean, step out of it. God's standing here right here with you looking at it. You're not buried underneath it trying to get him to come to you. The kingdom of heaven is within. Our Father which art in heaven. Where's heaven? Within. Jesus, man, he, that's the first thing Jesus said. He's like, all right, boys, you're going to have to change the way you think. It's a, I'm about to change the game. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. I think in modern day he would have said, I'm about to rock your world. Everything you thought you knew is about to change. Your brain is about to explode. You're going to have to change the way that you think because that kingdom is here. 
you're in it, it's in you. You must be born again to perceive it, interact with it, exchange within it, be influenced by it. Only one way for that, faith in Christ. But he's setting the context. Our Father, which art in heaven, set my mind on things above. Hallowed be thy name. The word hallowed, you know, I don't know where we go. I think a lot of people go kind of religious with it. But if you, probably the best modern day understanding of what hallowed means is to venerate. Venerate is part of the definition of hallowed. But regard with great respect, revere, feel deep respect or admiration. When you think of God, are you afraid of him? Or do you have respect for him? a deep admiration for him, right? Thy kingdom come. We're only going to get halfway through this prayer because I preach so much on other stuff, but thy kingdom come. Listen, all right? Stay with me on this one. This is really interesting. I might get a little Bible nerdy on you. So those of you that appreciate original language, people are leaving. It's like I say stick with me. Everybody's leaving. I'm just kidding. I'm calling <laughs> Um, you bring up speed and I'll tell you what you missed. I had to go, I went to see a movie with Reese and a couple of his friends, Ready Player One, and we sold our house, so praise God for that, our old house. And I had to leave, like, before there's like 10 minutes left, and I had to leave. I'm like, all right, here's where they, from this point, tell me what happened after, you know. So you can draw this along. Here's where we're going. We're going into thy kingdom come. That's your line. All right, here we go. Thy kingdom come. All right. Kingdom is royal power, kingship, dominion, and rule. Thy kingdom come. Doesn't this also sound like that Jesus is saying, send your kingdom? Watch this. All right. In the Greek, this is in the imperative Imperfect tense. The, the imperative is the mood. The imperfect is the tense. I'll tell you what that means. First off, I'll tell you what come means. It means to bring into being, arise, come forth, show itself. Now, remember, Jesus is praying. This is what you pray. Thy kingdom come. Kingdom arise. Kingdom show yourself. Find place or influence. Fall out. Kingdom fall out. The one that makes the most, that means the most to me is the definition within come is the word grow. Jesus is praying, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He's setting his mindset on who God is, that he's within me. Thy kingdom grow. Not, not it's detached and separated, but Grow. Grow first within me, first and foremost within me, that I would walk worthy of this calling, that I would walk worthy of this salvation that you've given me. I yield my heart to you to grow. Your kingdom within me, I want to be completely saturated by it in every aspect of my being, in every choice that I make. Kingdom grow within me. And I'm kind of walking you through how to pray for yourself and pray for others. So back to the imperative, this is the word come which um, in the Greek is erchomai. That's pretty good. Erchomai. Erchomai. Now, it's in the imperative mood, imperfect tense, all right? Imperative mood. Now, thy kingdom come. This is the mood. You see, we don't really have mood in English. This is the mood that Jesus is in as he's speaking. Uh. The imperative mood is a command or instruction given to the hearer, charging the hearer to carry out or perform, perform a certain action. This is not a request of God to give something. This is Jesus commanding the kingdom into action. That's the mood that he's in. God... I know you've already sent. He, I've already told all these people that it's here. I told them, get ready to change the way you think. Now I'm going to show them how to operate within it. 
That's how Jesus could say, demon, go. Dead, rise. Right? Sick, heal. He's just commanding kingdom and what it does. And when it has its unhindered way, it puts things toward life. What is it like in the kingdom? What's heaven like? Pretty easy answer. All right, so that's the, imper- that's the mood. Now, the tense is, watch this. This is incredible. The imperfect tense shows continuous or linear type of action just like the present tense. Present tense, not future. He's not asking God send it. It's continuous or linear of action just like the present. It always indicates an action continually or repeatedly happening in past time. It portrays the action as going on for some extended period of time in the past. All right, so for us, present tense is now. There's another layer of present tense in Greek, and that is something happened back then that's still happening now. It started back there, and it's continuing into present. There, are, there is a tense, I forget which tense it is, that it happened back there and it stopped back there. Happened in the past, done. There is another tense that happened but is continuing to happen. When Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, that was the declaration of why he could pray in this mood and tense. It's almost like he's saying, continue to grow. He's acknowledging the kingdom within this realm and he's commanding it really. Not commanding God. Don't get into this thing where you're telling God what to do and you start commanding angels and all that kind of stuff. No, you are an ambassador representing God and you have the right to tell your life and this world to operate according to your home country's rules. That's what you do when you pray. Then he goes to, your will be done. Well, what do you think his will is? He just went through a pretty detailed structure of prayer. And I think what he's saying is, he's addressing the early people that would say, you sound like you're a prosperity gospel preacher, Jesus. So he says, no, your kingdom be done, God. Your will be done, God. You see what I'm saying? It's so wise, the structure of this prayer. Now, was he really addressing that? I don't know. But he's putting it back in context of, all right, I'm not going to let these Pharisees think that I'm, because he had to know that they were sitting there and they would have understood how he, well, you know, it was in Aramaic, but it was written in this, but he would have had to know that they would have listened to him teaching how to pray and think that he was going to carry out his own will. And so he rephrases it, but your will be done. But he just so happens to know what God's will is on earth as it is in heaven. What? You know, this is more than just our Father, which art in heaven. And it rumbles, you know, and then nobody, it doesn't really affect anything. Nobody even, you know what I mean? How many times have you said that and it meant nothing to you? Your will your kingdom. So I had the opportunity of praying for somebody recently. You know, just in the past few months, we've seen a brain tumor disappear. Yeah, it's gone. Good. But I had the opportunity. I saw somebody limping, and uh, I said, I want to pray for you. Okay. So I was able to pray for this person. And when I pray, I don't just... You know, and I'm not saying I do it the right way, but I do it from this perspective. When I pray, I take it seriously. I believe for the kingdom reality to be reflected at the end of that prayer. Now, see, when you're praying this way, you're not really asking God to show up and do something impossible in this earth. It, but the kingdom seed is within this dimension and can affect this dimension 
to set this dimension to reflect the kingdom dimension. Does that make sense to you? So you're not saying God show up and do something impossible, break the laws of this realm and do something. No, what you're doing is kingdom, give me some influence to, uh, uh, to impact this realm so that it begins to align itself to your realm, right? So it's more of a reflection, more of a response. So I pray for this person, sit down, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, and just take the time. And in my heart and in my mind, I'm seeing it's like, all right, there is spirit within this foot that, that has an open sore to the bone that's been bleeding for months. Shoe was still on, so, you know, we're good there. There's, king, there's spirit in this foot. And spirit, when it touches things, sets things back to life. The immune system is already trying to fix it, right? I mean, didn't God design your body to heal? Why would we think that it's not his will for that foot to heal? Well, it's not healing. Well, that's the dumbest answer ever. <laughs> Maybe there's reasons it's not healing, none of which because God doesn't want it to. There's spirit in this foot. Let's connect with that. That kingdom, that spirit. You know, when we think kingdom, we think far off distant place, but I'm talking about the laws of that kingdom, the quality of life within that kingdom, the condition of the people that live in that kingdom, the kind of relationship that the people in that kingdom have with their good king. And what that king does to ensure a quality of life for those people. Spirit, kingdom, would touch that foot and set it back to the way that it's supposed to be. Well, guess what happened? Within a couple of days, the hole had cleaned. Well, at the first day in months that it didn't bleed. And then, within a few days, just completely healed. Now, if you give a really big offering today, I will impart that power to you. <laughs> How much? Oh, let's see. Let me think about it. Y'all been coming to church here too long. You didn't, you didn't fall for it. <laughs> <clears throat> why? I don't, you know, I don't even want to go to why, because then we get weird. Well, why not for that one? Well, you ask God that question. And that's the kind of answer you'll get. <laughs> it's like, why are you crying to me? I showed you Jesus. Jesus is my will. Are you kidding me? Why? What? Jesus is my will. You represent God. It's not just about healing. That, that's like the least of it. The, the meat of it is that your life is transformed. You represent God. You know who you are. You know, you know what happens in the life of a person that God has given the incorruptible seed of Christ to. You experience a transformation beyond anything that you ever even imagined possible. There are so many people, there are so many Christians on this planet that quote Romans 12 too, that you are transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove the good and acceptable will of God. Well, the good and acceptable, perfect will of God is Jesus in your life manifested of which you have been predestined to be conformed into that image. That is the will of God in your life, that you be conformed into the image of Christ in every area, in every way. And the way that you experience that transformation is that you renew your mind. There are too many Christians that don't actually expect to experience transformation. I'm going to know the scripture, but I'm going to stay sick, broken, depressed. You represent God. What kind of person do you think God trusts with every ounce of his power? 
Do you see yourself that way? I mean, what kind of person? Do you, if God were to come onto this planet and pick someone and say, this person represents me, I'm going to give them everything that I have. Everything that Jesus walked in, I'm giving it to them. Who would, who would he pick? If you answer anything other than me, keep coming to church. <laughs> Seriously. Be submitted. Be a disciple. Discipline your life. Live worthy. Obey him. Yes, absolutely. But know who you are. Know what he's done. Get your mind out of the gutter about yourself and grow up and believe the truth. Your only hope of experiencing transformation is to know who you are and how valuable and important you are to God. Of course you want to, of course you want to protect that, right? You don't want to use that as an occasion to the flesh. You don't want to be selfish in that. You want to live perfect in that. Follow him. You represent God. I've got a statement. This is how I'm going to close here. I don't remember exactly how I said it, so I want to read it. When you pray for yourself, for others, for anything, this is who you are. This is how to think about it. You are a friend of God equipped by God to represent God. This, this, is a, this is a phrase. I want you to adopt this. You can take this this week. I am a friend of God, equipped by God to represent God. Because the world is starving for truth. It's starving for a real relationship with God. Every human on this planet knows there's a God. You just have to go ahead and accept that. Not one person on this planet can honestly say, I know for a fact that there's no, nobody believes that. They know. They know deep down. They're just so steeped in their carnal thinking, which is not necessarily evil, just physical, that they only believe what they can see until you go and you give them a, a, a source of data to evaluate that's deeper than intellect. It's peace. It's a spiritual peace. I have prayed for people, and God said, just create an environment of peace around them, and then watch what happens. I'll do that sometimes. I'll pray, and it's like, all right, we're just going to manifest. You know, Jesus prayed when he prayed. He said, I manifested your name. He said, I finished the work that you gave me to do. I've manifested your name. We do that. We manifest the name of God. When Jesus prayed, your kingdom come, and he basically was saying, kingdom continue to grow, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. Try it sometime. When you're praying for somebody, you're not thinking, what am I supposed to do? What if it doesn't work? What should I say? You connect to peace, set your mind on things. So this is what you do when you pray for others. You walk yourself through this process. My Father that is within me, I am setting my mind on you and taking it off of this circumstance. Your kingdom continue to grow. Your kingdom is here. If they're a believer, you see it from within. If they're not, you see it around them. I do. Your will be done. God, you want this person to you want does not does God not want everyone saved? It is God's will that none should perish. It is God's will that none should perish. This person needs you to know who you are. Peace, my peace. You know we get to do that. We get to show people the God's peace. Well, that sounds a little too mystical, brother. Well, then you just keep praying how you're praying. Try it. Try to connect to that sense of peace. See it affecting this realm and watch what it does for this person. Sometimes when somebody just gets set at peace, they're faced with, oh my, they, they finally can tell themselves the truth. And that's a whole other direction to go from there. But I'm telling you, it's powerful. You are a friend of God, equipped by God, 
who represent God. Amen? Father, we thank you that you trust us. Thank you that you trust your spirit within us. We don't want to do one thing to disparage your name. We don't want to do one thing to take advantage of the generosity that you've given us by giving us your spirit. We don't want to do one thing to misrepresent you, to walk unworthy of this calling that you've given us. We want to live completely obedient to you. But I thank you that that comes as I understand and know your love for me that brings me to this place of wholeness. Now, I'm making a decision, and you know, you decide if you're making this decision today. I'm making the decision to represent you. When I wake up in the morning, I will set my mind on you. I will tell my world around me to respond to your kingdom as I believe that your will will be accomplished in this earth as it is in heaven. It can be. And I will commit to the idea of your kingdom growing first within me and into my world around me and into the lives of the others that I have influence over. I am choosing to take responsibility for this ambassadorship. If that's you, just, just lift up your hand. Just hold your hand up. I'm choosing to take responsibility for this ambassadorship. I will walk in the knowledge of who I am in you, expecting this realm to line up, expecting your kingdom to grow into this realm. I expect your kingdom to grow and affect this realm. I thank you for the wisdom to walk that out. I acknowledge you, and I expect my paths to be led. I thank you that you've made me your friend. I thank you that you've put me in such a place of honor to represent you on this planet, and we just get to go into this earth and communicate the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. That's what we do. We go into this world. It's not about us. It's not about anything that we've done. It's about going and telling people about you and bringing them into an expectation to experience you. I take responsibility to live that way. I trust you to lead me. You know, maybe you're here, you've never said yes to Jesus. You'd like to for the first time today.